Friday edition. Or as Tausch likes to call Fridays, Days I Don't Work edition. The I know he's got a pro football Hall of Fame sidekick when he's on the roundtable on Spectrum News 1. He'll have to settle for... I don't even know what my biggest accomplishment is. Not Nothing close to what Leroy has accomplished. Edition. And the... We finally got to meet Jeff Halfley. And I'll tell you, I know it's just a press conference. His defense has to do the job. But he made a really good first impression on me. I'll explain. Coming up, edition of Wildea Tausch on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, 100.5 ESPN Madison, 1430 ESPN Beaverdam. ESPNWisconsin.com, the ESPN app, your Alexa smart speaker. Streaming live video on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, everything you need on Wisconsin On Demand, including being able to get this here podcast after the fact, wherever you get all your other podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, Stitcher. I'm Jace Wilde in Green Bay. Jesse Nelson is in the Everlight Solar ESPN Madison Studios, sporting his Bucks t-shirt. And... From his own undisclosed location with some great canvases behind him. He is the former Packer, the former Badger, the co-host of the Pottawatomie Football Show, which I've joined a few times at Rock and Brews and really enjoyed their blackened salmon and their (laughs) bread pudding. He is Gary Ellerson. Gary, good morning. Finally got it. Good morning. You know, that's a big introduction that you have there, uh, Jason. That's a it lot. It is. Yeah, it's a lot. That's I, I, a lot, I'm, man. I'm, uh, I'm long-winded, I've been told. It's great to have you as our cousin sub of the day, cousin subs, we believe in better. How you been? Good, buddy. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, got a lot to talk about, it feels like. Finally met the guy. It is a it is a good day for you to be in, and as you know, I yeah. have... Uh, I have told the powers that be that I've got a few favorites when it comes to cousin subs yeah. of the day, which Lord knows you need, given how many times we need them because Tausch isn't on the program. Uh, Long weekend we, season for it, old T right now. It, yeah, that's a good title for it. Like, he's got hockey games, he's got gymnastics yeah. meets, he's got all this stuff, and, and they interfere with his ability to do the show, and we're lucky to have a deep bench. We've got you, we've got Bulaga. Right. It's great to have so many former Packers and insightful dudes to fill the void. Now, is the is the Spectrum Roundtable... Every time I turn on my cable, I start on Channel 1. It automatically <laughs> does that. So I see your ugly mug more than I would like, frankly, uh, with Dennis Krause and the Hall of Famer, uh, Leroy Butler. Are you still doing that? Will you... Will you have a special Jeff Halfley edition that I get to watch, or is it out of football season so you're kind of out of mind? Well, no, football is year-round, right? That's so true. it's every Monday. It, it never stops. I mean, the NFL, they, they have this thing figured out. They know how to keep it going all the way. And then with the Green Bay Packers, there's just so much news. You're talking about defensive coordinator. Then you're talking about, what, combine, then draft. And before you know it, it's July. And they're in training camp, and then I'm seeing you on the sideline <laughs> and telling yeah, Leroy know. who everybody is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right. I, I don't I, I don't I don't mean this to date you, 
but okay. you were you were a great running back at UW. Was the combine yeah. was the combine a thing when yeah. you came out of of Wisconsin? And and what are your recollections? Because Brian Gutekunst, we were told yesterday, is going to speak on Tuesday in Indianapolis. But it's a weird deal, like. Matt LaFleur and the coaches aren't going again. Sean McVay's not going with his staff. Uh, Kyle Shanahan. It For me, it used to be the kickoff of the new football season, and everybody was there. It was like the place to be if you were in any way in or adjacent to the NFL. And it appears, at least for coaches, to be losing its luster. Yeah, I don't I don't get that. I don't understand why this is changing all of a sudden. I think as a head coach, wouldn't you want to see the guys that you potentially could be on your team? Wouldn't you want to be in that interview room and now all of a sudden this is this is changing. So the first time these guys will see them is when they get drafted. And I, and I wonder what in- input does Matt LaFleur have on the draft? if he's not actually there watching the product. So that that's just a bit different for me. And in fairness to Matt LaFleur, uh, I was talking with Rob Domofsky, our friend from ESPN.com yesterday, and my longtime buddy. Uh, he said that, because obviously they've got 32 people that cover the league, uh, one for every yeah. team. He said that 12, 12 of the 32 head coaches are not going to the Combine. 12. Yeah. That's, I'm not a brilliant mathematician, but that's more than a third of the coaches. And like, I don't, I don't get it either. And, and you know me, I, you know, it's great. I, I, I work from home a lot. So I'm around the girls (laughs) and Paula and all the pets, but like, I, I used to go to the combine because it was so valuable for me and we figured out a way to do the show and everything else. But it's getting less and less valuable for me as a reporter. I'm not going because it's just to talk to Goody on Tuesday. Yeah, it's great to see all the prospects, but the bottom line is coaches, this is when you talk to coaches and you get a feel for the, mm-hmm. what the team is, and I'm not able to do that. So you went, did you go to the combine? So I did not go to the combine. I was not invited. I had my own private workout at the shell when it was the shell at that particular time. On like the basketball court and the indoor track and yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that uh, well, place. It, remember it, that place? It worked because you obviously went yeah. on to play in the NFL. I just, I again, right. I don't. I guess my thing is the more information, the better, right? And mm-hmm. and Matt did make a comment about paralysis by analysis yesterday because he was talking about how, and we'll get into Jeff Halfley and what he had to say yesterday. But he was talking about how maybe guys think too much in the previous defense and that the goal here is for it to be simplified so they can fly around more. I don't think you get paralysis by analysis just because you get to be in the room with one of the guys you're thinking about maybe drafting. I I just I don't understand this trend at all. I I would agree with you. And, And also with that, though, doesn't it maybe does it feel like it's a shift, though, too, in the hierarchy now they're just letting the guy that's that is the talent dude they're just letting him do his thing and the coaches just whatever they get or or do they both get together with Matt LaFleur and Brian Gooden because do they get together after it's over and go here's the guys that we're looking at and maybe they watch film later Mm -hmm. I mean there's got to be some sort of communication on guys I like 
and guys that you like, and we have to come to some sort of common ground. I thought that was supposed to happen now in Green Bay. I I, th- I think it does, but I, I do think that there is, and I use the phrase a separation of church and state, a separation of coaching <laughs> and personnel. Because, I, yeah. I look, first of all, and, and I know Mark Murphy still hasn't forgiven me for going after him in a press conference about whether or not it made sense to change the structure, which I still believe he was wrong. I know they've had success. I still don't think it was the right decision. <laughs> uh, but there, You're not budging on that at I'm all. I'm not. Still? I'm not. No, I'm stubborn. What if they win the occasion. Super Bowl this year? What if they win the Super Bowl? It won't be because of the structure. That's for sure. Yeah, it would be-, be. Because here's the thing. The whole idea that he said was it was to remove the silos, right? That was a big word, okay. silos. Uh, and Tausch yeah, is a former a farmer. Word. Brian Bulaga is a future yeah. farmer. They like silos. But yeah. they yeah, didn't Auburn, remove the Auburn, Dale, what, Iowa, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're big. They're big on farms. But, yeah. but they didn't remove the silos. And, in fact, I would argue that he reinforced them because I do think that there is the – this is my area. I'm the personnel guy, GM. And and I don't blame Goody for having that attitude. What I'm saying is early on in the season when things weren't going well, one of the things that happens when you do things this way, and they will never say this publicly, either one of them, they'll say they have a great relationship and they talk every day, which I'm sure they talk every day, whether it's hello or something more extensive, I don't know. But... When things were going bad and they were 2-5, and five, and Goody traded Rasul Douglas because he didn't think his team was a contender. You don't make that trade if you think you're playing in the NFC Divisional round a few months later. But I guarantee you there was a feeling on the personnel side of, hey, we got these guys all this talent. They're clearly not coaching them up well enough because they're not winning, and that's got to be on the coaching because we know that our scouting was on point. And then the coaches, I'm sure, are thinking, oh, God, they gave us all these rookies. What the hell do they think we're going to do here? It takes time to get these guys up to speed. They have some talent, but they don't know what they're doing, right? That's what is promoted yeah, by that setup. Well, I mean, so so do you think the trader Rasul Douglas and that Matt LaFleur was unaware that that was going to happen? He, I, I think he was informed after the trade was made, yes. See, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think they're all in on it. You and I are totally different on this. The silos, just, just so you know. Well, I you're in your own silo. And, right, right. I happen to think that there was something else going on with Rasul Douglas that they decided to cut bait. I think, I think at some point they knew where they were going, and, and sometimes it has to do with the locker room inside the locker room, what that looks like. And I think there were some other things with Rasul that we don't necessarily know about and the reason why they made that trade. Well, they, they were, were going to be young. So they, and they had young, impressionable guys in that locker room. Who are these guys looking up to? Well, if they were going to trade a malcontent, they would have had to trade their other starting corner, too, because he was very, well, very, see, very that, unhappy. And, and, well, you couldn't get rid of that guy. So somebody had to be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> that's a that's a tough way to go. Although he did go to Buffalo and played really well, and uh, Buffalo certainly had its spot. chances. Yeah, got just as far yeah. as the Packers. What are we get a did. second round pick for that? Uh, second round pick. What are we? Get? No, this is my 
This is a huge pet peeve of mine. Here's another one. Because, Here's another one. Because Goody, uh, you know, made it sound like they got a third-round pick for Rasul Douglas. They got a third-round pick. They didn't. They traded Rasul Douglas and a fifth-round pick and got a third-round pick in return. So what they got was a move from wherever their fifth-round pick would have been up to where the Bills' third-round pick is. They didn't. They don't have an extra pick because of that trade. They have the same number of picks. Had they traded Rasul Douglas straight up for a third-round pick, I'm all right with that. And I praise Goody for getting a third-round pick for a guy that he plucked off a practice squad in the middle Thank of the you. 21 season. But that ain't what happened. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you for understanding that they didn't get a third-round pick. They gave up a fifth-round pick along with Rasul Douglas. All right, Gary Ellerson is our cousin sub of the day. Uh, We finally found a couple of things we disagree on, which after all this time of working together, we agree most of the time. I want to see if Gary agrees with the first impression that Jeff Halfley gave in his 28-minute session with us yesterday. I asked a few questions. Lots of others asked lots of other questions, most of them shorter than mine, but I thought I had a pretty short question day, all things considered. But I want to play some of Jeff Halfley's responses to us and see what vibe Gary got from the new Packers defensive coordinator. We'll do that coming up next. Gary Ellerson is our cousin sub of the day for Tausch. Cousin subs, we believe in better. It's Wilde and Tausch. This is Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Sponsored by American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com. And he made a good impression on me. I liked what I heard. Gary, before we get into any of the specifics, what was your initial thought on the Packers' new defensive coordinator? Well, I I watched it uh, via stream. I believe that's how they had it. And it looks like he's got his stuff together. I mean, sound very positive. uh, Positive. Uh, and, (laughs) and, And just a lot of energy. And, uh, you, you know, and this may be a side note. Here's what I think, too, because he kind of got into this a little bit. I think you can see a lot of college coaches leaving college to coach in the NFL. Because uh-huh. there's one thing that stuck out to me is when he said, you know what? I finally got a chance to watch film. Yes. Since he's been a head coach at Boston College, I had even watched film. I got to deal with NIL. I got to keep this. I got to recruit the guys I got to recruit. Then I got to go recruit some other guys. The the head coaches now in college don't even coach football anymore. Yep. So now here's a guy that loves X's and O's, that loves to watch film. He gets a chance now to get back and do what he loves in the professional game. And I think when you look at him, and I saw him yesterday, handled himself very well, and it just felt like there was more energy in the room 
when you talk to them. Now, I don't know if that equates to the defense being the top five defense or anything like that, but there's most certainly a shift when I saw him and heard him speak yesterday. And matter of fact, you had some great questions, although your questions are always very long-winded and thoughtful. I've heard that, yeah. I appreciate you. Um, I, I will say this, and we'll get into this coming up. Um, if you thought that he was coming in here to run constantly press man coverage with the Al Harris style up at the line of scrimmage manhandling receivers, you got another thing coming. And this is a guy who loves press man coverage, but one of the biggest things that jumped out at me was his conversation and and Matt LaFleur's before him about wanting to have vision to the football. And what that means is more zone coverage than man coverage. And while they will play man coverage at times, they want more takeaways. They finished 23rd in the league in takeaways last season, and they clearly believe that they don't get enough interceptions. And that's one of the things that clearly Jeff Halfley is going to try and do as a former DB's coach is increase that. Now, I I understand why, and we'll get into this coming up, I understand why Packers fans were hoping he was a press man guy because they watched far too many third and five plays on which the corners were playing eight yards off the line of scrimmage and giving up easy pitch-and-catch first downs. I thought it was interesting, and Jesse's going to play this first clip here, uh, how Halfley discussed changing the scheme and how he, um, I would say, tried uh, very hard to sound like he uh, still felt good about what the previous staff had done. Uh, even though yeah. most of them are now gone. Here's Jeff Halfley yesterday. I, I think they did a lot of good things. Um, and I, I think they played a lot of good defense in a lot of games. And I have respect for everybody that was on that staff and all the guys that were on the field. Um, for me right now, it's about moving forward. And as this thing gets going, try to improve it. And that's, that's really where my head's at right now. So uh, he has to say that, right? He can't get up right, there and go, right. they're terrible, and I'm, they, I can take the same talent and we can be way better. You know, I'm, it sounded like Doc Rivers a little bit when he said, I, I don't know why they're, I don't know why they're getting, why are you hiring me? I don't know why you're getting rid of the guy. You should not get rid of the guy. You know? That's all, that's well, all that's coach talk. Well, that's not what we right? want to hear right now. It sounds like <laughs> Doc Rivers. That's all there was. Why are you, well, meaning that is you're trying to have respect for the guy that you're replacing. And that's ex- exactly what that was. No one, because everybody at some point, if you get fired, who knows? He may be under someone else that was on that coaching staff. So mm-hmm. you can't go just step on people in this business. So you have to be cordial when you walk into that door. So, uh, and so I he, get it. And, you know, I like to tease you, you know, and say basically the version of NFL football that you played, you might as well have played with Don Hudson, given how much it's true. it's changed. But it's it is true. true. And and so one of the things that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to get your input on is having played in the league, having watched the league for so long as you have, you know, this switch to the four three 
it doesn't mean nearly as much, and I even said this in a question that I asked him about uh, when they switched to the 3-4 with Dom Capers, and Ted mm-hmm. went out mm-hmm. and got a nose tackle in B.J. Raji and an edge rusher in Clay Matthews because those are so important to the success of that scheme. Well, now you know it's mm-hmm. such a nickel league that it doesn't really matter. But I thought it was interesting that LaFleur was very adamant that he wanted to find whoever he hired. And it wasn't like Jeff Halfley was the only guy that he liked that he would have hired. But whoever he hired, he wanted to make sure that the scheme was versatile enough that they could use the guys they already have. Because the first guy that I thought of when Lafleur said that was Aaron Campman. Because when Dom Capers came in, and I love Aaron Campman. He's a friend of the show. He's going into the Packers Hall of Fame. He was a terrific 4-3 defensive end. But yeah. he knew that he did not have the skill set to be an effective 3-4 outside linebacker. He was unhappy, and after a year, he was gone. And he was going into a contract year when they switched the defense. I think he had like three sacks. Like, it could not have been worse for him. And it felt to me, like Matt LaFleur said, and even though he was you know, probably still playing for the Omaha Beef at the time of that change of Staffs, mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to have any Aaron Campman situations with this change in defense. Is that important? Because it sure sounded like it was. Okay, a couple things here. I'm going to back up. You talk mm-hmm. about zone coverages, right? Mm-hmm. And you talk about playing off in third and long and in third and five, and we're eight yards deep. You still could be in zone, right? We could sure. be in a cover three, but you still can be in the guy's face, right? You still can have deep third. Why are we just going to give the guy? So I think looks will be different mm-hmm. to me i think it's just common sense i still can be in zone in third and five but i'm not just gonna i'm not just gonna give you the five yards i still can be up in your face i so i think you'll you'll see some of that aaron catman you, you're right about that but i think when you look at uh preston smith rashawn gary uh van ness right i i think those three guys come come to mind they're more athletic than what aaron catman was when they're making a switch. So I think those three guys can do a little bit of everything. I think they can stand up. I think they can put their hands in the dirt. So I think they won't be too far out of place on what they've been able to do. Van Ness in college played with his hands in dirt. All three Uh, of them Sean Gary in college played with his hands in dirt. So these guys are used to that. So I don't think it would be that foreign to them if they were to ask them to do that. I think the change will be – much easier than what it was back when camp when they did it with camp. How you're absolutely right, and the fact that all of them did that in college and to some degree. I mean, I think Preston Smith did it when he was in Washington uh, with Joe Barry because that was when Joe Barry was still running a Tampa two style of defense. But I am curious, you know, and and again, I I may joke about how much the game has changed, but when you played, how how often did they play nickel? Like, if you remember, Brett Favre claimed, at least, I don't know if it was true or not, but he claimed when he got to the NFL, he didn't know what nickel was, and he needed Ty Detmer to explain to him what that was. The fact yeah. that he didn't, whether he whether that was, you know, just him doing his hillbilly hee-haw routine or not, I don't know. But the fact mm-hmm. that that was plausible tells you that they did, the, the NFL did not play nickel that much, even when he was playing, and that wasn't nearly as long as it was when you were playing. No, I think it was very rare because back then the fullback was the fullback, right? 
Right. And we were basically I formation, big backs. Uh, you, you're talking about Eric Dickerson was doing it. Now I'm getting real old. Walter Payton. I mean, everybody had a fullback. Now the fullback is obsolete in the game. And in obvious passing situation, we still had two running backs in mm-hmm. uh, the in, in the game. And we still had, well, a fullback and a tail and the tight end with Paul Kaufman. Sometimes we went with Ed West. So nickel back then wasn't very prevalent. Every once in a while we did three wide outs, but not to the degree that you see right now. Because well, sometimes you'll see guys four and five wide receivers now in the game today was not like that when I played. Uh, speaking of, and you're right, fullback is obsolete, other than your guy, Josiah DeGuara, who is heading into free agency, so you may him. have to bid farewell, farewell to him. Um, the other Sorry. thing that I think is weird about the time you played versus now, why were shoulder pads so enormous then, and why are they so much smaller now? I know, right? I mean, I look at those things, they're like airplanes. I mean, they're, you're, you're way out here. Right. I have no idea. And then they streamline them. And I think because of the weight, I mean, they they were very heavy. And I think now you see guys can maneuver a little bit more with the smaller shoulder pads and still have enough padding there where you you really don't get hurt. And now a lot of guys wear padding underneath those shoulder pads too as well. So I have no idea why they were so big. And we had the huge thigh pads. Yes. Remember the big thigh? We had that big – I mean, Earl Campbell had – his thighs were big, but – we used to have those huge thigh pads. Guys don't have that kind of equipment like they used to. Well, we will get into more better. of what Jeff Halfley had to say. I, I just, I love the old. I, I'm sure you have a pair, of, like in your garage or something, from your playing days that are just gigantic. <laughs> uh, and if you put them on now, they wouldn't fit under one of the the no. more streamlined jerseys either. Uh, we'll talk more right. about what Jeff Halfley had to say. Um, I do want to get into this because Gary makes a great point. You can play zone coverage without being eight yards off the line of scrimmage. And right. unfortunately, all too often, and I think there's some PTSD for Packers fans, and mm-hmm. I used that as part of my question to Jeff Halfley yesterday because I know from the feedback we get from fans that that was the number one complaint they had about the Joe Barry defense. So we'll see how Jeff Halfley answered that. Jeff Halfley is drawing a paycheck from the Packers. And you know that means that it's got the, well, he's probably getting direct deposit, but it's got the Associated Bank logo (laughs) on it because they are the official bank of the Packers. And you can join the official bank of the Packers if you get Packers checking from Associated Bank. You get 10% off the Packers Pro Shop both in-store and online. You get a nifty Packers debit MasterCard, and you get all the great perks that come with being an Associated Bank customer. So go to AssociatedBank.com slash Packers to find out more. More with Gary Ellerson, our cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better. It's Wildy and Tausch. You're listening to Wildy and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Missed any of the show? Find us on Wisconsin On Demand wherever you get your podcasts. It's free, it's everywhere, and it's for you. them was Jeff Halfley historically has played a lot of press man coverage 
And when the Packers hired him, I went through every podcast I could find of him talking, and he talked a lot about press man coverage and that that is one of the his core beliefs. Early in the press conference, he was asked about it, and he said he loves it. But before that, Matt LaFleur spoke, and Matt LaFleur said we're going to have more vision to the football. And I know enough about football, not nearly as much as Gary or Tausch or Bulaga or Chimura do, but I know that that means to have vision for the, to the football, you need to be playing zone more than man because you got your back turned a lot when you're playing man coverage and you're engaged with that receiver. And so I started to think, well, wait a minute now. Matt LaFleur is talking about vision and break. How are they going to play press man coverage if that's what one of the primary goals are for this new system? Well, it turns out they're going to play it sometimes, but this ain't the old days when Al Harris was locking guys down and going to the Pro Bowl with only two interceptions because it's hard to intercept a lot of passes when you're playing press man coverage all the time. So I decided, and I may, I may have, I, I don't want to say I was, I don't want to say I was unfair to Packers fans, but I know that after watching all those instances of too much cushion with the Joe Barry scheme, one of the things that a lot of fans wanted was press man coverage, so none of that crap was happening anymore. And the fact that they're not going to do that all the time I thought was really interesting. So here's the exchange I had with Jeff Halfley about that. Jeff, you know, when a new coordinator comes in, the fans want to hear that he's going to play press man all the time. He's going to blitz the hell out of Why? Why, Why does everybody like press so much? I think they like aggressive, right? Nobody ever says anything different. I'm curious. Matt was in here, though, talking about how you're going to have vision to the ball more. So how, do you, how does that kind of, in, in general terms, how do you kind of view how you mix man and zone in order to be able to do that, but also maybe be a little more aggressive in some situations? you got to have change-ups, and you have to have calls that complement one another. Um, our zone coverages are built off vision and break. That allows guys to play fast, so they're not looking at people and looking around for people. The essence of playing vision and break coverage is when the ball's thrown, you have two or three guys going 100 miles an hour to the ball carrier. And I think that's what the biggest difference is. And you have to have compliments to that because a lot of times when you want to pressure, you can't play that style of defense. You have to be aggressive and get your hands on people. Um, so I think there's a place for both. But I'm, I'm big on vision and break because I want to see as many people get to the ball carrier and as fast as we can over and over again. So, Gary, that was really interesting to me because what I also thought he kind of said without saying is there are zone systems where you're looking for people and you're worried about that, and I thought that that might be a little bit of a breadcrumb about how the Packers previously played zone coverage versus how they're going to play it with him. Let's talk about vision and break, because we kept hearing how he wants guys going 100 miles an hour to the football, and if there's one thing we saw from this defense in the past three years, it never felt like anybody was going 100 miles an hour to the football at all. So how do you view what he said and how that fits what this defense might look like? Well, I think it's got to be contagious. But I, I will say this, and I think the coaching staff have to implement that energy and what, what they want this to look like and put it on the players. But the, the new NFL now, too, if you even watch the Packers offense, 
it's all about over routes. You see a lot of over routes, crossing routes, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, from a lot of teams in the NFL. So if you're in zone, that means that you've got a receiver running through zones, which means that you've got to have communication saying over, 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 and make sure that you know that that guy is coming in and out of your zone, which lends itself to be, mm, I, I think, a little bit more laid back, a little bit more lackadaisical, because now you can't necessarily look at the football and rally to the football because you got to make sure you're communicating. I think there was one play where last year they said that one of the – was it Valentine or Valentine? He didn't get the call on his side right. when a guy was coming over. So you, you've got to make sure that all those things are being communicated. To me, communication is the key that will allow you to play fast. And to have that, it's got to be simple, right? And to me, the Packers defense last year wasn't very simple. Either they didn't buy into it or they didn't know where they were going or they didn't care. To me, they have to make this defense simple for these guys to go be able to play fast like they want them to. So, and we might get into this a little bit later. There was so much yesterday. Like, uh, we waited three weeks to hear from Jeff Halfley, but I, I learned a lot from his philosophy, his approach, his personality. So I was glad that we had as much time with him yesterday as we did. But one of the other things he talked about is the importance of the safety position in his system. And he went uh, on a fairly long description of what he looks for in a safety. And by the time he was done, I thought, well, all right, well, Gary's going to be on the show tomorrow. I wonder if he can get uh, Leroy out of retirement because he basically <laughs> described the, the 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 ideal safety and the fact of the matter is they didn't have guys like that on this team and frankly they haven't had guys like that with the exception of probably Leroy and Nick Collins haha Clinton Dix wasn't the guy he described uh Darnell Savage wasn't the guy he described uh he's got to be able to make plays on the ball and be a sure tackler Neither one of those guys were able to do that consistently, at least in the schemes that they were in. So when you when you look at where the Packers are at at that position with virtually no one under contract and how important that system is, uh, the, the safety position is to that system, I think it's going to be really interesting what happens in free agency in the draft because that sounds like one spot where they have to get it right for Halfley's defense to work at an optimal level. I would agree. I think they need a player there. But if you go back and look at Savage in college, he was that guy in college. Mm-hmm. He made a lot of splash plays in and around the line of scrimmage in college. The Packers didn't play him that way. And so I think he was not a great fit in the defense. that they had. Now, he's not big like Leroy. He's a little smaller. Mm-hmm. But in college, that was Savage. He made those plays types of splash plays in college. Now, can he do it again in the pros? I don't know. But this defense, to me, seemed like it would fit him if they put him in that spot. I believe they have that guy there with him. I I just didn't see it. We didn't see it in this defense that they were in now because it was too passive. That's not who Savage is. In fairness to him, in his two years in Petten's system, he looked more like the guy he was at Maryland than he did in the three years that he spent in Barry's system. Now, he is a free agent, so now they have to decide with a new defensive coordinator and a new system that might fit his skill set better, 
Do they re-sign him? What are they willing to pay him? Does he want to come back, or would he rather go play somewhere else and get a fresh start completely? I know when I talked to him at locker room cleanout day that he certainly was open-minded to the idea of coming back, but his answer made it sound like if Joe Barry is here, there ain't no way in God's green earth I'm going to be here. And, and I think he, a lot of guys on that defense had that right? thought, not just him. Right, and I think not it's one of the him. reasons why they needed to move on. All right, we need to move on. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from Matt LaFleur, too. He spoke for a while, and he talked about his philosophy in changing defensive coordinators and changing schemes and how much the scheme really factored in to that decision. It sounded to me like he went into it very open-minded. And he wanted something that was going to be more aggressive. And whether that was 4-3-3-4, Baltimore style, San Francisco style, didn't really matter as much. He just knew that they needed to get more aggressive. We'll hear what Matt LaFleur had to say next with Gary Ellerson as our cousin sub of the day. It's Wilde and Tausch. You're listening to Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Call Gina Della from Pella at 855-PELLA-WI or visit online at PellaWI.com slash radio. Before Jeff Hapley took to the podium, Matt LaFleur spoke with us. Um, he made a joke when he took uh, when he got up there saying it was like a playoff atmosphere. There were so many people there. And I resisted the urge to say, yeah, that's because you haven't talked to us since two days after the season ended and you've changed your entire staff and we haven't seen you at all. Uh, so it was nice to hear from him. And it was nice to hear some about his thought process in not just moving on from Joe Barry, but in his search for his new defensive coordinator, who turned out to be Jeff Halfley. Here is Matt LaFleur talking about that process. Certainly it will be a different scheme, um, but I think it's one that I think it will be easy to adjust to with, with the personnel that we have. That was something that certainly was at the forefront of my mind when we were going through this is, uh, you better make sure the, the pieces that we have in-house are capable of, of doing what uh, he's going to expect of them, and I think we have that in-house. I think anytime you have good players, uh, they should be able to adapt to most schemes. So felt comfortable with that, and uh, like I said, it was, it was a good process. You get, get to meet a lot of different people throughout the process and um, definitely interviewed some, some really good football coaches. So, Gary, we, we, we referenced Aaron Campman earlier, and you talked yeah. about the idea of these three potential defensive ends now as opposed to outside linebackers in Rashawn, Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness being adept at putting their hand in the ground. And, and look, this is not, again, this is not uh, 1996 even, right? I mean, when we did the pregame show together at the Tundra Trio and, and Sean Jones came by and we spent time with him, and I, I love Sean. Like, he's one of the smartest cats I've ever covered. Um, he, he's not the kind of guy that plays defensive end now either. Like, there are certainly guys like him, but, like, he was right. he was a really big dude, and they don't necessarily have to have gigantic guys. Now, Lucas Van Ness, Hercules, is he is cut, man. He is big. 
but he's also yes. quick, and that's why they drafted him where they did. Beyond those guys, though, since you already gave your insight on them, what else are you looking for in this defense when Matt LaFleur is talking about how guys have to the guys in house have to fit into it because the other spot that's interesting is linebacker. And I'm really curious right. about how Quay Walker and those type of guys fit. So you've got to figure out obviously personnel and how guys fit in your system. I need Quay Walker to be Quay Walker at Georgia. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like most of the time at Georgia, he was kind of on maybe the weak side or maybe the wide side where he can run to the ball, not not a whole lot of fit, this, that, and that. Just go – where the football is, Quay, you go get it. And it, I felt like he played well at Georgia. When he got here, you put him at inside backer, and it just felt like he was a, a step or two close. I think what they've got to do is figure out personnel and what these guys do best. I'll give you an example. I remember my first year uh, at Wisconsin, and I was more of a – I was more of a toss sweep kind of pick your hole kind of a back. And I remember Coach McCain Coach McCain Coach McCain uh McLean came in and said, Yeah, we, we like that play. We want to get you some more toss sweeps because you can read the hole. So we put in more toss sweep. Then he came in one day, he goes, You know what? I, I got this other idea. We can do this toss sweep, but it's gonna it's gonna put you in the sixth hole. And so we went in practice, I ran it, we played it, uh, uh we played the game, I ran it. And I went back to coach. I said, coach, I, I don't like that. He goes, you know what? You didn't look comfortable. I don't like it either. We took it out. We'll go back to the other toss week so you can pick and choose your hole. I get the Green Bay. And I remember we, I loved to run the draw. But we ran the draw out of the I formation. And then I remember Forrest uh, yelling at Bob Snecker and goes, hey, can we run that draw out of a two-back set and split backs? Bob goes, we don't have that. Forrest says, why not? We came back the next day. We ran draw from a split back set because that's what fit my style. So what they have to do with these guys is find what fit them and listen to what these players are saying, and then they'll have confidence and they'll buy in because players know what they can do well. But mm-hmm. you got to be when you first get in there. They got to be able to earn all that respect that they get. But they most certainly have to listen to these players and what they can do well in a particular scheme. I don't think they had that uh, under the last regime. I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because sometime in the ten or the eleven o'clock hour, uh, I know Jesse's been working on putting together a ton of the audio from yesterday. But I asked. Jeff Halfley about that specifically. I referenced um, him talking in a podcast previously uh, about coaching Darrell Revis at Pitt and then again with the Buccaneers. And he said at the time, and he kind of reiterated it yesterday, how he learned more from coaching great players and them teaching him because they're the ones that are out there on the field. He talked about Richard Sherman, talked about a variety of guys. and, And I do think that that was a shortcoming of the previous defensive coordinator. Uh, Jair Alexander will be happy to tell you all about that. And it is something that <laughs> sure. they need to be able to do here. now. I, but I want to play that later because I want to circle back quick sure. before the end of the first sure. hour, and, and that is to what you said about Quay Walker. Um, I, I agree with you, big surprise, but it, it was almost as if 
he's not the kind of guy, to your point, that you want to... And I'm not saying he's not a smart, bright guy. I'm not saying that at all. But he was clearly always having to think out there instead of react. Mm -hmm. And having played the game, explain how that may have factored in to him not being as effective as you would want your first-round pick to be in the first two seasons. Because everything was made of, of him getting kicked out of games. And yeah, that wasn't good. But when I looked at him, the biggest issue I saw was, here's a guy that's not decisive. And that seemed to right. hold him back. Well, the getting kicked out of game stuff, immaturity. So that really didn't have right. anything to do with his play. That That's just growing up, learning how to be a professional, right? But when they drafted him, they saw what he was at Georgia. But when you brought him in here, you put him at another spot. I still think he could play outside linebacker. I still think he could be another guy that can go in the rotation with with Preston Smith and Van Ness and and those guys. I think that's his strong suit. Go get the quarterback. We saw that he can guard backs and tight ends out of backfield. He can do all that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's his forte. I think he gets used up just being in the middle of the field. You've got to figure out how to get him outside and where he can use his athletic ability. Let someone else, I think, to me, maybe that Isaiah McDuffie, I think he may be the prototypical inside linebacker that that's where you want him to sit in the box. Quay Walker is more versatile than that. It's, can I say that? Yeah, I think he can for do sure. more for you. You get more out of him if you can get him out on the outside. And and in a in a four three, and I understand they're going to play a bunch of nickel and all the other stuff that comes with that. I get it, but right. in a four three in base, you've got you know that kind of AJ Hawk. Um, I know Blake Martinez didn't play in a four three in Green Bay, but he's mm-hmm. that. Those are the guys, right? Those are the guys. They're the tackle machines. Right. Uh, they've got kind mm-hmm. of an area they know they've got to handle, and you would love to have. When they were in a 3-4 and you had Nick Barnett flowing one side or the other, uh, I remember Niall Diggs was a really good, strong side linebacker for them. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, but in Mm -hmm. Quay Walker, I just think he's such a supreme athlete that, you're right, he was kind of wasted in the previous scheme. He feels like a guy that could be reborn with this new system. We'll get into more of that. I would agree. We'll get into more of that, and we'll talk more uh, about Jeff Halfley and, and his conversion to Green Bay and him living in Ho- in uh, Lodge Kohler uh, as opposed to uh, his four years in Boston and his family not being here. We'll get to that during the 10 o'clock hour, which is coming up. want to remind you, I don't do a Tausch imitation. Jesse, you do a pretty good Tausch. I don't. I, I, I can't. Mark Tauscher here! Yeah, there you go. That's it. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you about our great partnership with AmFam and their great partnership with the Badgers. And you can enter to win a Badgers Dream Game sweepstakes opportunity with American Family Insurance. You and a friend could receive a true VIP experience at a Wisconsin basketball game of your choice. It's almost, uh, season's almost over. But support your Badgers. Enter today and find more information at amfam.com slash badgers. That's amfam.com slash badgers. Don't purchase necessary American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. 
dream fearlessly. The 10 o'clock hour with Gary Ellerson is our cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better. It's Wilde and Tausch.